The executive yuan is moving to crack down on property hoarders. In a plan approved on Thursday, it raised the tax rate for owners of vacant homes and multiple properties. Residential property taxes will rise to a range of 2% to 4.8%, up from the current range of 1.5% to 3.6%. If approved by the legislative yuan, the new system will be implemented in July 2024. The plan also adjusts the way tax is calculated for owners of four or more homes. An official explains how it works. Say that you own two properties in one city or county. Multiply that by 10 cities and counties for a total of 20 properties. Right now, your tax rate would be based on you having two properties in each city or county. But later on, your rate would be based on the fact that you have 20 properties. If it can achieve a reduction in property speculation and allow young people to afford their own homes, if it can bring about housing justice, then I think that this legislation is what the people want. To encourage owner occupancy, the system also lowers the tax rate for owners who have only one home and who live in that home themselves. The rate will be reduced from 1.2% to 1% benefiting more than 3 million households. According to the finance industry, as of 2022, there were nearly 500,000 homes not occupied by their owners. The new tax rates target so-called property hoarders to make home ownership more accessible for young people. DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde has won fans in the U.S. with his plan to preserve cross-street peace, as outlined in a Wall Street Journal op-ed. According to a former White House National Security Council staff member, Lai showed he would continue the policies of President Tsai Ing-wen, a key part of maintaining security and international relations. In contrast, the ex-staffer was blunt in his criticism of the KMT's Hou Youyi. He said that Ho's proposal for a shorter conscription term would not have a warm reception in Washington. In a recent Wall Street Journal op-ed, Vice President Lai Qingde proposed four pillars for maintaining cross-strait peace. U.S.-based scholar Bonnie Glazer said the proposal had fans in Washington because it aligned with President Tsai Ing-wen's cross-strait policy. Vice President Lai is uh, laying out a platform that will be consistent with what President Tsai Ing-wen carried out for the last, you know, seven and a half years. Um, for cross-strait relations, and I think, and for security and international relations, what I think is important because I think that Taiwan does need to uh, increase its engagement with the rest of the world, increase its deterrence. I think that's part of it, build up its economic security. Think tank researcher and former White House National Security Council staff member Ivan Kanapathy praised Lai as a strong leader. He did not look favorably on the KMP candidate's plan to cut down conscription to four months. In my view, a cross-trade service trade, cross-trade service trade agreement, and you know, reducing conscription or, or holding it back to four months, both of those would not be very welcome decisions uh, by most people here in the United States. Yeah, I think deterrence is a very, very important part of peace. The scholar had diverging views on the two candidates' cross-strait policies. Meanwhile, the KMP's Hoyoi took issue with Lai's four pillars, saying they were built on a foundation of Taiwan independence. They would lead to Taiwan's collapse, he said, drawing a sharp rebuke from the DPP. 
The path he has chosen is that of Tsai Ing-wen, and it's a path that's laden with the risk of war. The four pillars are built on the foundation of practical Taiwan independence. I believe that if Taiwan proceeds with them, it will swiftly collapse. In the op-ed, Vice President Lai Qingde very clearly stated that maintaining the status quo serves the best interests of the Republic of China, Taiwan, and the international community. The international community has affirmed the cross-strait and foreign policies of the Thai administration and the DPP government, and that is because they're highly predictable and stable, and because their cross-strait and foreign policies are consistent. We hope that Ho Yi will not continue his misrepresentations and malicious smears. Scholars say Lai is seen as a continuation of the Tsai administration. If Ho intends to critique his rival's cross-strait policy, he must first earn the trust of the domestic and global audience. KMT presidential candidate Ho Yo Yi is facing pressure from his own party to step down. With Ho faltering in the polls, calls for replacing him as a candidate have grown from whispers to open appeals. One KMT lawmaker, Zhen Li Wen, urged her party to find a stronger contender, saying that it wasn't too late. But Ho himself is still standing firm. On Thursday, he issued a plea for party unity. New Taipei Mayor Ho Yi presents merit awards to outstanding community leaders. On July 16th, he's scheduled to join a housing justice rally. According to the organizer, Honghai founder Terry Go is also set to attend. All eyes will be on the pair for signs of a potential coalition. Chairman Goh's participation in the July 16th rally is for a call for judicial reform, housing justice, and social equality. That is a sentiment we all share. The DPP was in power for seven years without taking action against housing speculations. But now, at this point in time, they've chosen to roll out this legislation. DPP Chairman Lai says that housing prices are going down. Isn't that utter nonsense? Ho unleashed fire at the DPP's presidential candidate Lai Qingde, who is currently leading the polls. But despite the show of force, Ho is increasingly losing support within his party. KMT lawmaker Chen Li Wen says that it's not too late to replace him with another presidential candidate. It's not too late to make the change. We need to think about how to make the best arrangement for everybody. The KMT must not shirk responsibility. If you say we can't replace Ho, that we must support Ho, then you're evading your responsibility and casting the burden solely on Ho Yi. How can he shoulder it? How can he shoulder it with no prior preparation? At this moment in time, the KMT must still try to find its strongest candidate. There are lots of rumors going around. We need to unite and face the challenges together in order to overcome hardships. As calls for a candidate swap grow, Ho's campaign and the KMT are feeling the pain. Taiwan's inflation index increased 1.75% in June compared to a year earlier, according to the latest government data. That's the smallest increase in 27 months. It's also the first time in 23 months that the rate fell below the 2% inflation target. Officials said the slide was mainly due to the lower cost of fruits and vegetables. Last month, the cost of 17 government-monitored household necessities went up by 4.47% year-on-year. That's the smallest rise in 14 months. The cost of egg rose 7.17%, ending 19 consecutive months of double-digit growth. The worst inflation was seen in hotels and other accommodations, which rose by 22.37%. 
Now let's take a trip to the heart of Tainan's old city to visit a nostalgic cafe. Tucked in an alleyway is a Japanese-style coffee shop run by specialty coffee master Rika Tanaka. The coffee roaster began the business in 2017 and sells beans all over Taiwan as far afield as Hong Kong. She originally came to Taiwan just for a holiday, but once she met her Taiwanese husband-to-be, everything changed. We spoke to Tanaka about how to brew a serious cup of coffee. This small but perfectly formed coffee shop is nestled in an alleyway in Tainan's oldest district. When Tanaka is roasting beans, just the smell is enough to make you stop in your tracks to take a deep sniff. Here she is in her element. Rika Tanaka swiftly sifts through the beans, deftly picking out any impurities and ensuring that no bad beans are left to spoil the brew. Coffee is rather sensitive, so we manage the temperature of the flame, the air, and the time. The flavor of the coffee totally changes, so you have to take care. Tanaka is a certified premium coffee master with the Specialty Coffee Association of Japan. She specializes in dark roast and French roast coffee. In 2017, she moved to be with her husband and began her roasting and delivery business. Her beans attracted high praise. Then the couple decided to convert Tanaka's husband's old family home into a retro Japanese-style cafe. Cafe Hong. You have to let the coffee beans rest for three or four days after roasting before you can drink them. My method is to rinse them approximately three or four times and then see how they look on top, how the bubbles are doing, and the speed at which the coffee is running out. Each bean has a different degree of freshness, so I decide based on the situation on the top. Tanaka observes the bubbles in the coffee and the speed of the flow to adjust her brewing technique. She's making Japanese pineapple bread, a popular sweet treat at the cafe. Cantaloupe ice cream soda is a nostalgic drink served in classic Japanese cafes. Even the decorations adorning the cafe have been brought here from Japan, creating an irresistibly nostalgic mood of olden days Japan in the heart of old Taiwan. Thai Power promises that there won't be a power shortage this summer. The state-run utility estimates that seasonal power use will peak between mid-July and mid-August, reaching 40 gigawatts. But it expects to maintain an operating reserve margin of at least 8%. Due to this summer's favorable conditions for hydropower, solar and CHP generation. The operating load will be significant this week due to high temperatures and heavier air conditioning use, but we're very confident in the overall stability of the power supply, mainly due to our renewables sources. For example, solar generation reached 6.4 gigawatts today. By the end of July, the two GTs at Datan number 8 power station will generate about 700,000 kilowatts. Overall, we are very confident in the power supply this year. On Thursday, it was another blazing hot day nationwide. The highest temperature recorded was 38.3 degrees at Taipei's Shizhi Island. Power use surged to 39.335 gigawatts at 2.14 p.m., the highest so far this year. At the point of peak power consumption, Thai Power's operating reserve margin stood at 16.43%. The Grand Hotel's famous Golden Dragon Fountain lost his head recently after a ceiling collapse accident. But just one week later, the century-old dragon is looking as good as new, thanks to the work of a bi-national restoration team.
The red cloth is removed, revealing a dragon that's once again gazing at the heavens. Recently, hungry termites brought down the roof over the fountain, decapitating the dragon. But with help from a Japanese specialist and one week of restoration, the dragon is once again in tip-top shape. Even a clogged fountain pipe was repaired. It's cool, really cool. I see so many people are excited about it, and the students probably really enjoy this experience. We just happened to come at the right time. This dragon is really great with its head lifted up like that. The dragon is a remnant of a shrine from the Japanese colonial era. It only has three claws, in contrast to the five-clawed dragon of Chinese lore. The hotel invited Japanese scholar Dr. Suzuki Ika, as well as scholars and experts from Taiwan to restore the statue. After they got to work, an unexpected discovery was made. The dragon had been broken before. There was concrete at the breakage point. Because this concrete is a relatively recent material, we judged that it was added in for the purpose of connecting parts or providing filler. The team came to the conclusion that the dragon's shape had been changed during an earlier relocation. Comparing the dragon to old photographs, there are clear differences in its color, shape, and the angle at which it holds up its head. Two days before the dragon broke, a staff member said he dreamed that the dragon said it didn't want to be in its current body because it didn't used to look like that. A week later, our scholars told us that the dragon should be restored to its original form. The Grand Hotel said that in the future, there will be a second round of restoration with the goal of returning the golden dragon to its original appearance. A leafy Bishop Wood stands tall next to rice paddies that stretch into the distance. Many visitors line up here to snap a photo with the famous tree, which is known as the Takeshi Kanishiro tree. But rumor has it that the tree will soon return to its former name, the Tea Offering Tree. It would feel a bit strange, since the reason people know about this place is because Takeshi Kanishiro helped EVA Air film a commercial here. It's not a big deal. All that matters is the tree's still here. The Takeshi Kanishiro tree is considered one of Taiwan's most famous trees. Ten years ago, EVA Air hired Kanishiro to do a commercial here, adopting the tree in the process. It's now a must-visit tourist destination. But Kanishiro's contract with the airline is up, and the airline proposes changing not only the tree's name, but also all related road signs, direction signs, and tourism brochures. The contract with Kanishiro is expiring, but because we'll continue to do tea ceremonies there, we'll call it the tea offering tree. Although EVA Air wants a name change, the Takeshi Kanishiro tree draws over 5 million visitors a year, creating tremendous opportunities for Taidong tourism. The township office is fighting to retain the iconic name. We'll go through any channel of communication we can to get Takeshi Kanishiro to support us in letting Qishang Township continue using his name for this landmark. I believe we can get this done and that there should be a win-win situation for both parties. Regardless of the outcome, for tourists who have already visited this unique site, it will forever be the Takeshi Kanishiro tree in their memories. A Michelin-starred chef has opened a new restaurant in Shinju to focus on the nostalgia of a military dependence village. After more than 40 years in the kitchen, chef Lei Xiaoping is back to the flavors of home. His Hakka menu features grass jelly chicken soup as well as homemade koji rice. Customers say the natural flavors are just like mom's cooking. 
glistening leg of duck garnished with house-made red koji rice, a sweet and sour feast. We steam a duck, and when it's cooled off, we bathe it in a fermented red yeast rice sauce. After two days, the flavor of the red yeast rice has seeped in. The dish is flavored with grass jelly from Shinju's Guanxi Township. Silky chicken is flash-boiled, then red jujubes and goji berries are added. No flavorings except salt go in, creating a fresh, bright and sweet result. It makes me miss my mom and think of the taste of my childhood. I feel happy and touched eating this. It feels so natural. Good things taste natural. The head chef, Li Xiaoping, grew up in a military dependence village in Shinju. After high school, he went north to work in a Hong Kong-style tea house. He began as a humble kitchen porter, and in six months, he was chef's apprentice. At 26, he was already a sous chef. He moved from restaurants into the hotel industry, and in 2019, he led his hotel kitchen team to win a Michelin star. After 40 years away, he's finally moved back to Shinju to rediscover the flavors of his childhood. My roots are in Shinju. I was born and bred here. I grew up eating in the military dependence village. Coming back to find that flavor has been quite hard because you can hardly find those villages anymore. I've been searching in my memories, adapting them, and even using my imagination. The taste of mom's cooking is the hardest thing to create. Lei has retained the classic flavors of his childhood while bringing in lots of innovative influences from many world cuisines harvested from his experience working in different establishments for so many years. What you eat is so important for your health. I want ingredients that will mean you don't need to go to the pharmacy to create better meals. Lei has spent the better part of his life in the kitchen. His greatest aspiration is to create food that helps keep diners healthy. With all the care he puts into ingredients and techniques, customers can enjoy the taste of home. As Taiwan's ties with Southeast Asia deepen, more and more people want to learn Asian languages. Today, we meet an Indonesian language teacher who's passionate about helping people connect with new cultures. As a Malaysian immigrant, Wang Li Lan knows firsthand the process of getting to know a new culture and overcome language barriers. She first came to Taiwan to study when she was 18 and later earned a PhD in anthropology. Over her rich career, she's published books, hosted radio programs, and taught languages, all while raising three children. Let's take a peek inside her class at National Taiwan University. In this Indonesian class at National Taiwan University, Wang Li Lan asks her assistant to share the dress that young Indonesian women wear when they come of age at 17. It's the perfect teaching tool to talk about Indonesian culture. So you Wang's cultural classes really stand out. Today it's midterms and this is the test. They have to just sing a song. Everyone knows that singing is the easiest way to get close to people. If you learn an Indonesian language song or a Malay song, then you can connect about that with friends here whenever you like. You can say, I can sing one of your songs and sing it. 
Wang's vibrant classes have earned her a five-star rating on NTU Student Forum on PTT. She also won the 2018 Taiwan University Teaching Excellence Award. Wang is a Malaysian immigrant and gained her doctorate in anthropology from National Tsinghua University. The work of passing on cultural heritage is a passion as well as a responsibility. For the semester final exams, we take the students to Taipei City Mall to the Indonesian street for a visit. If it happens to be Eid, the Eid festival, and there's a carnival, then we take the students to really experience the culture viscerally, with all their senses, tasting the food. Students spend time getting to know Indonesian immigrants and chatting about daily life, making genuine contact with Southeast Asian circles in Taiwan. The real classroom is out here in society. What I really look forward to is everybody having contact with different cultures and developing communication skills and then we won't be afraid or anxious about it or have misunderstandings. Wang even offers free classes on her online channel to spread knowledge of Malay and Indonesian culture. In this age of globalisation, she's helping spread seeds of understanding and mutual appreciation.